as we've been doing this, we've been going through uh, Christmas Advent because Christmas was, is to bring hope and joy and peace. And as Aaron said today, love. And although today we lit the candle of love, um, I felt the Lord actually want me to circle back to joy. Because it's actually, that's probably the one that's the most easy to lose. If I, if I was to actually think about and, and wrestle through being very truthful, joy, it's the easiest one to lose, especially in the Christmas season. Uh, I'll explain why. I had to go shopping this week to get ready for Christmas. And I was marching around the malls. Uh, it was a quick reminder of what it is like during Christmas shopping. And, uh, and how I dislike Christmas shopping. Um, I love my family. I love my, I love to actually give. But suddenly, the, the, the love of doing these things was suddenly ripped out as I had no joy in at all shopping. And uh, I suddenly realized that love without joy isn't the way we were designed to live. For those who have the gift to shop, see, if you love to shop, then you have the ability to do this and delight in it, right? How many of you have a gift to shop, like you love doing it? See, you have a, so for you, that crazy mall would be like joy. Yeah, she's like, her eyes are as big as saucers, like, that was exciting and exhilarating. And I'm like, oh my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's, that's my thought. Like, Lord, what, what am I doing here? And there is absolutely no joy. And I, I, because this is what I found out, that love is about delighting that overtakes duty. Love brings us back to ask, where is your joy? So there are lots of things that can rob us from our joy, if you think about it. In fact, I was, I was laughing as I was processing this message, and I realized I turned on the radio, and I was listening to the weather report. And I thought, this is interesting. The weather report said, uh, partly cloudy with a 20, it was no, uh, it was a, with a 20% chance of snowing or something like that. And I, and I listened to it and I'm going, why can't they say 80% chance of like amazing weather and, you know, good sunshine? Why, why did they not like throw it out? I was like, no, 20% chance of, of snow. But hey, because I started to realize there are lots of things that can rob us of our joy. And seeing things from a negative perspective. And in fact, if I think about it, I started to ask myself about Christmas. And what is, what, what is this thing that we come? And I, I started to think about how it is meant to be joy. As we look to Christmas, we see incredible truth. The message that there is great joy for all people. And that's the title of my message today. Delight means great joy for all people. In fact, I want to pray. I, I didn't put it in my notes, but I just thought the Lord said, um, we've probably heard this message a million times if you've been a, 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 in church. But when has it become not just another message, but actually, Lord, I want, to, I want you to speak to me so that I receive a truth today. Holy Spirit, I want to thank you that you always are speaking to us, but Lord, I thank you that it's your word, your word that it may become truth so that, Lord, there is great joy for all people, for us this morning, for others. But, Lord, we would receive it. I thank you, Father, that only comes through a gift. So help us to be receptive 
Lord, I pray that you'd help us to be able to understand, but it's not just information. It would be an impartation so that, Lord, we truly can uh, receive you in a new way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So please open your Bibles to Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 20. We're going to read on the Christmas story. And the verses are actually up here, and so you can follow along. But if you have a Bible, please read it. Jot along, underline, whatever you want to do. But here, let's, let's, let's continue. Let's pray. Or let's read, sorry. Verse 8. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, watching, uh, keeping watch over their flock by night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that was been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondered them in her heart, and the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. This morning, I, I, as I'm looking at this passage, I, I was suddenly gripped with a thought with this. There is a huge difference between joy and happiness. A massive difference between it. See, happiness is actually a feeling of ecstasy due to a, a result of an experience, but it's temporary And it changes through circumstances. That's what happiness is. Happiness uh, is that moment when you know you've got something, but it was that, wow, that was so good. Like opening up a gift that you were dreaming for at Christmas Day. That's happy. Joy is different. Joy is an inner sense of well-being and satisfaction that endures whatever the situation. It abides through happy experiences but it also can endure in sad circumstances. That's joy. And it's different. And I, I love this because Jesus and God are trying to say to you, look, at Christmas, I want to give you not just happiness, not happiness, but joy. In fact, John 15, verse 11, Jesus said this, I want to give you my joy, that my joy may be in you so that your joy may be complete. In other words, God's saying, I have a a purpose or a heart for you, not just to make your life happy, but to give you something that lasts through whatever circumstance and situation goes in your life. It's called joy. That's my job for you. That's what I want to gift to you this morning, or at least on Christmas Day. This gift that God's giving to you and I, this is a gift of great joy. Not just for you and I, but for all people. Now, why joy? Why would God say, out of all the things that he announces on that day, I want to give you joy? Well, because he actually made us and created us to enjoy things. We were created with the idea that we were meant to have pleasure. 
before sin, before everything encouraged, he created all these things and he said, look, I made these for you. The trees, the birds, the lions, the whatever. And we were able to actually have pleasure in those things. We were able to enjoy. In fact, we had a relationship with God that we could fully enjoy. But again, the devil, what he did is he twisted our ability to delight and joy. And we see that in the garden. What he does is he actually twists this capacity that we have for pleasure and delight, and he makes it so that actually it became a source for us to have a broken spirit. In fact, it says this in the garden, Eve saw the apple and delighted in it. She saw that it was good and then therefore partake. The enemy going, I know what you're created for, but let me twist it so that I could break you so that you don't get what you really need. And ultimately, our relationship with God, broken. Because our sense of joy was robbed. So God's desire in this is to undo the work of the enemy. This is, this is what Christmas is. His idea that he wants to save us from being robbed of true joy. And what is the joy that we see God brings in this passage in Luke 2? What was God wanting to declare a joy for you and I? Well, that's what we're going to look into. So ready? Here we go. It's going to be a whirlwind because I, as I was going through this message, I, I will explain as I go along, I was being very, very, very challenged. Very challenged. The first one is this. I saw this. The joy of breaking up the mundane. God wanting to give great joy to all people, one, to break up the mundane. What do I mean that? Well, verse 8, and in the same region there were shepherds out in the field watching, keeping watch over their flock by night, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. Now, when I look at the Christmas story, I see shepherds experiencing a joy that actually overtook their lives and job. We see God and the supernatural interrupting the one's who didn't really expect it. They weren't anticipating something to come. It was God actually invaded them. But God interrupting those, which I find is interesting, those who maybe feel like their life was absolutely mundane. See, shepherding is not a very popular pastime. It wasn't a glamorous job. In fact, it was probably one of the lowest jobs that you could ever do at that time. Um, it wasn't very glamorous because, you know, if you wanted to get uh, far in life, you needed to obviously find a wife. You need to find, well, how many wives can you find out with the sheep? Not very often, right? That's not going to happen. But I'll ex- explain even a little bit more. I mean, it is the most unglamorous job you can have. I mean, how many of you have ever heard of sheep watching clubs? I have heard of bird watching clubs, but there's not a whole lot of, hey, guys, let's go look at the sheep. I mean, I, I could say there's been lots of things. How many of you have gone to a sheep safari? Ooh, say that really fast. Sheep safari. Anyone? No. I, this is not something that I'd be going, yes. I w-. <laughs> Zach puts his hands up. We need to pray for that man. He went on a sheep safari. I mean, what do you, you, you must be really bored if you've gone on a sheep safari. But this is what I find interesting in this Christmas story. God's declaration and announcement to these shepherds. He comes to them in the midst of this boring, mundane job 
and he interrupts them. In fact, the first Christmas event happens at night, and they were probably just trying to even keep awake, much like you in this sermon. I'm just saying, no, just joking, joking. It's a joke. I thank you, Heather, for laughing. I, was, I wanted to throw it in, and I was going, I don't, I don't know if this will roll, but then, Heather, you made my day. Thank you. Well, this is what I mean, in that the joy of the gospel is actually interrupting the mundane. Maybe you have a job that feels pretty routine. I actually, I feel like a, mo- a young mom might feel that way. If I was to think of what a young mom or just, just in that sense of life, what it looks like in that now, would be this. My life consists of diapers, changing, putting to bed, maybe play, and that's my routine. Husband comes home maybe or whatever, just cook, clean, that's all I feel. And in that routine, just going, is this really what I was made for? And those that love and wanting to be a mom and saying, yes, that's what I was made for. But when you're in the routine, in the day and day out, just kind of going, is this really what I was designed for? And feeling, ah, really, this is the blahs. Anyone ever have the blahs? Well, I feel like this, is that person might be saying, oh, I was just going, I feel like life is just passing by. I'm actually looking for excitement. This is who God interrupts, like a shepherd. And so, how does God break through the mundane? How does he do this in the Christmas story? Well, I think this, when when you're going through the mundane and you're going through life and feeling this routine, we are the ones looking for excitement. We are the ones that saying, Lord, how can we get, ex- get something out of this? And so we start to look for things that we have. Now, I don't know about you, but lots of people will say, well, I know how I can find it. I'll find it in something that will give me pleasure, alcohol. Or I'll find it in some sort of thing that can entertain. I can find it in a relationship, and I can find it in this. And so we are ones craving, looking for this thing that will give us joy. But... What I love about this is the message that the angels announced on the first Christmas is there is a Savior that brings delight in giving you joy. And I'm not, I'm not talking about happy, clappy stuff. I'm talking about satisfying joy and delight. It comes from meeting God, Emmanuel. You see, because those things that the enemy, again, he twists our joy and he says, these things will only last for so long. In fact, they will get you stuck. They are going to get you in a place where you feel you need more. You now have an addiction. You have this, and it's actually a trap. I took your pleasure, and I warped it, and now you are not satisfied. You are never satisfied. I, uh, on that day, I have good news for you. A Savior. Someone who can actually set you free and give you delight and joy. True joy. Because born on this day, a Savior. His name is Christ. This is what started to get me is, Lord, this is what I, I find actually my joy in you. Because I mean, we can find joy in lots of things. I'll be, I'm going to be very honest. I start, I'm, we're getting, getting ready to go on holidays, and I start to go, oh man, I'm so excited for holidays. I'm so excited for a break. That's going to be my rest. That's where I'm going to get joy. That's where I'm going to get pleasure, is being away and sitting on a hot beach or something. That's where, and the Lord's saying, really? Is that your idea of what is going to last? And I felt gripped 
I actually felt challenged because the Lord is saying, no, Norm, that's not where you will find your joy. And you know it. And as a Christian, I'm going, Lord, you're right. I, I actually need a Savior today. That I remind, am reminded that my joy is in you and you alone. And I started to actually say, Lord, help me today to find it in you. Not in Christmas, in a time away or some great meal. I have times of joy just where you're meeting with you. And that's how we break through the mundane. And this is my prayer for us this Christmas. Lord, interrupt us with moments when we can connect with you. I believe the Lord is a gentleman. And I actually, I believe he only interrupts those that are willing to allow him to interrupt. You see, the shepherds really were going, I don't think they were really too um, alarmed with having an angel. Well, they were alarmed, but I'll explain this. They were okay with something interrupting their lives. And because they were okay with it, God says, I will interrupt. And I believe this, I have as much interruption from the Lord as I want. And that's the challenge. God, I want you to interrupt me and have the ability to do that. In every day, every circumstance, every situation. I want you to be able to interrupt me at the mall. I want you to interrupt me at the coffee shop. I want you to interrupt me at my every aspect. And in fact, as I was prepping the sermon, that's exactly what happened. I found an interesting... I'm thinking about this. I went to Costco again, this craziness... And I'm at Costco uh, going to get my eyes, doing some prescription, doing a little bit of shopping. And again, I'm in the craziness of it. I decide to stop in and get a hot dog, you know, the famous buck fifty hot dog that, you know, is a best deal you could ever buy. So I get this hot dog and I'm sitting here getting a hot dog and this lady pops up beside me. She goes, wow, wow, I wonder if they have the coffee machine open. Is it started? I'm like, I don't know. And she says, well, you know, it's been down for two weeks. Two weeks without coffee. No Costco coffee. I'm looking like, wow, you like your coffee. And she's like, yeah, I can't wait. Maybe. And I, and I get this little thought. You should buy her a coffee. It's not, I know it's like, holy, I think it's God because God likes to speak in that. He just wants to interrupt. And I, and I got this idea. And so I get up and order. Can, can I get a hot dog? And, and, and can I buy this lady a coffee? <gasps> well, I actually wanted a cappuccino. Can you buy her a cappuccino? <laughs> She is like, I can't believe it. Like you said, and, and, and she literally grabs me. She puts her head on my shoulder. I'm like, I'm married. I'm married. No, no. But I mean, it was like, I just made her day by buying a coffee, a cappuccino. But suddenly joy is being released because I say, God, you will interrupt my mundane life if I let you. You see, the problem with us is that we believe this. A Savior has been born. This will be a sign to you. And you'll find a a baby wrapped in a manger. You're going to see him. But we are actually the ones that are his hands and feet. People actually are going to see Jesus now through you and I. And what I believe is this, is that we have to be challenged with, they're not going to come because of a religious experience. They're going to come when they see your faith in action. You see, we were not created for simple religion. We were, com- com- we were actually com- re- <laughs> created for a relationship. That's why he came as a baby. Do you know what melts my heart? Is every time Aaron and Wilma bring up these two little babies... Because it suddenly is like, oh, I just gravitated. Uh, Luke, I was over there. I'm like, I'm running over to Luke because I'm just drawn to uh, this baby because it feels like I can go and be who I am and be, and I'm going, God, you became a baby so that I could come to you. 
David wrote in Psalm 51, verse 12, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. To sustain me. And I believe that's what we need to see. Um, the next part we see is this. We see a joy. God wants to give a joy in the Christmas season that moves us from fear. And this is in verse 9. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Now, again, the story is the shepherds are absolutely terrified. And I don't blame them. I don't blame them all. See, they might have been used to dealing with, like, bandits or maybe some beasts that they had to, you know, protect their sheep with. But they're not really proficient in dealing with angels. Um, I don't think that for them they had ever encountered any of this, ever, because of simply their reaction. You see, they dealt with all maybe these other circumstances of beasts and that, but what do you do with the supernatural? What do you do when God says, I want to interrupt you supernaturally? And what is their response? They, they encounter this spiritual thing, and to be honest, most of us wouldn't even know how to deal with it. We think angels are meant to be on the top of Christmas trees. But Scripture says angels are actually emissaries and messengers. They're the ones, in fact, Daniel says, fighting on our behalf. And, and Daniel had these moments when, you know, Gabriel and other angels came and talked to him. And I, I'm not trying to make a, a deal about, hey, let's encounter angels. I'm just saying, we don't think that way. In most of uh, Western society, we are so metaphysical. Everything you can taste, feel, touch. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says in Ephesians 6, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. There's a spiritual realm that you actually can't, you are, it's affecting you and you don't even know it. And most of us don't even want to be aware of it. But if you did become aware of it, I can guarantee you what your response would be. It would be fear. In fact, you meeting God would bring fear. And I'll explain that because in Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah has an encounter with God. He's God supernaturally, and he understands that he can't control God, but when he meets God, this is what Isaiah says. His fear, his response should be as this is an encounter, it's a starting place. Isaiah says, Woe to me, for I am lost. I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. What is Isaiah's response in meeting God even? Fear. And this is one of the elements of understanding God is actually it's called the fear of the Lord. Fear is what the Bible says is the beginning of wisdom. Fear is actually the natural response if you were to meet God. And I'll, I could be honest, the fear of the Lord is, or fear God, fearing God is not actually a popular message nowadays. We love the idea that love and love, because we will get to that, but what we, we start off with is the response, first knowing a God who knows you, has all power. He sees everything. He knows your thoughts and has the capacity to judge when you have broken what he has said don't do. Instantly, there should be some fear. That's what happened to Isaiah. Woe to me. 
But this is the neat thing about the Christmas message. See, Isaiah or Israel, all of them knew God as that holy God, the God that you cannot go to because he is without sin. But suddenly, what is the message at Christmas? Fear not. See, God wanting to remove us from fear to fear not. A joy that says you don't have to be afraid. The Apostle Paul gives this, or John gives this an example in the book of Revelation. John, in the book of Revelation, has an encounter where he's sitting at church one day. It was on the Lord's Day. He has a vision, and he meets what he hears. And this is what he says. It was in the chapter 1, verse 10. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me, and on turning, I saw seven golden lampstands. In the midst of the lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white and white like wool, like snow. His eyes were like flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace, and his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand he held the seven stars, and his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in full strength. When I saw him, I fell at his feet, though dead. But this is the response. This is Jesus going to John. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and last, the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forever, and I have the keys of death and Hades. You don't even have to fear death. I got them. I want to take you from fear to actually being able to understand my love. Fear not. I'm with you. Because John's initial response might be fear, but perfect love drives out fear is what Scripture says. When we talk about lighting a candle, it's perfect love. So, Lucy, I want to say thank you for giving that prophetic word. Because it tied in with what God was trying to say. Listen, I want to bring you a joy that casts out your fear. Because sometimes what happens is we can actually, we can resist or miss out on God because we're afraid. And I'll explain why. Did you know that a manifestation of fear is sometimes guilt? People will actually, uh, when they're dealing with guilt, it's, it's a manifestation of the fears that they got. Like, I'll give you an example. When, when you're thinking this, your past experiences or mistakes suddenly are robbing you of a present reality. For example... You're struggling with an addiction or a constant behavior, and you feel like a failure. You're afraid, basically, that you'll never get rid of this or that God will never accept you. Or let's put it this way. You're raising your kids, and they're not living for the Lord, and you feel guilty. You, you, did, you ask the question, did I not show them? Did I not explain to them, and did they not... Uh, and they don't seem to care about spiritual things, so you're afraid that they will not continue in the faith. You're afraid but it's a manifestation of guilt. Or you did something. You did absolutely something horrible that you could never take back. You'd give anything to take it back, but you can't. And you're actually living in a prison of your own guilt because you're afraid you can never be forgiven. And this is what the enemy can do. He can actually rob you of joy because of fear. And what is the message that the shepherds hear on that? I bring you good, no, a good, news, good news of great joy. 
a Savior has been born. Now notice that. The angels didn't say a ruler, a counselor, a king, or creator, or teacher, but a Savior. He didn't come to punish us, but to save us. Not to imprison the guilty, but to set us free. And this is very important because for me, it's God wants to increase in me the idea that I have not given you the spirit of fear, but of power and a sound mind. This is in Second uh, Timothy one seven. Now, finally, this is the last one of this. God is moving us not in, these, in this thing of actually. I want you to give you joy that breaks the mundane. I want to give you joy that breaks you from fear, but I want to give you a joy that actually helps you in proclamation, that moves us to proclamation. Verse 17, And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child, and all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. A joy that propels you to share with others. You see, when I, when I think I've truly received this salvation, when I understand what God has done for me, I become so full of joy. And we have an appreciation and thanksgiving. This is what propels you, being appreciative and thanksgiving. So again, the Lord sets me up because, Terry, why did you come up and feel like you had to give an appreciation and thanksgiving for the youth? Why? Because what it will do is it actually motivates you to say, I want you to keep going. I want you to actually share with, and in fact, you had to share it with everyone. Something prompted you in saying, if I am thankful, if I'm appreciative, I'm not going to just hold this. I'm going to share it to everyone. And I was laughing going, oh Lord, you've set us up. Because that's part of understanding. When you have this joy, it will make it so that you will proclaim. Isn't that what happened to the shepherds? It wasn't forced. It wasn't that they had to. It wasn't like coercion, like, oh, you got to go tell about this. They suddenly were like, let's go tell people. Now, I I, I really want you to understand this because I think that the way to keep your joy is through thanksgiving and appreciation. You see, how do we keep this joy that God wants to give us? Well, it's through this. And I, I recently understood this as I was preparing this message. Uh, to be honest, I really didn't want to preach this message. <laughs> I'm going to be very transparent. I, I didn't want to do this because I was not living this at all. For about two weeks, I, I think just because of the way things just stress, and uh, I was eating a daily dose of Krabby Patties, for all of you that know Spongebob. I, um, I found that... I was constantly going through various things of just feeling, and, um, and the, I had a short fuse. My, uh, my wife can testify to that. Um, Kevin and Aaron, they had felt that a couple times too. So this idea of having joy, and then the Lord says, I want you not to preach this. I want you to preach on joy. I said, no, Lord, I don't want to. I'm not living it. And then the Lord said, but it's not about you. It's about my word. No, Lord, I still don't want to. No, I want you to preach on this because the question is, are you going to live this? And I'm wrestling through it. And then the Lord set me up, and this is how he did it. Because I said, I don't know how to do this, Lord. How, how do you get joy, and how do you get this then? And, it, and I encountered a friend, an old friend, and again, it's a circumstance, but this friend meets me, and I hadn't seen him in a long time, and he starts talking, he's like, 
oh, how you doing? And so I started sharing. Yeah, you know, you know it's kind of this. And I, I'm kind of giving him my, my grumpy, my crabby patties, right? Well, it's been kind of, I know, it's really tired. And I'm working this. And, 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 and my friend said this, and he has this amazing way. He just said, can I encourage you, but not in the way that you normally think? And I'm like, okay, you got me intrigued. And he started to share what's been happening in his life. And he was sharing about all the challenges that he was having in his family. And he wasn't doing it, to, but he just was being honest because we were sharing life. And when he was sharing, I suddenly started to get, I just got full of compassion. I got so teary because I thought, my friend is going through. I can't imagine with this. I can't imagine this. And I, I felt burdened going, oh, gripped actually, compassion. And so I prayed with him and I left. And, and then I, I come back to the sermon and I was going back to this and the Lord said, how much have I helped or how much have you got? And suddenly something shifted. I realized how blessed I am with an amazing wife, amazing kids, amazing co-workers, amazing church. Because he was telling me about everything, things, things that were happening in church and everything else. And I suddenly was so appreciative of you. It changed everything. And I felt absolute conviction of, Lord, I'm so sorry for uh, I have forgotten what you have actually given to me. And the appreciation that of not to try to say, look, oh wow, look at all the bad things and I'm glad that I don't have it. No, it actually was out of a heart that says, I understand where you come and I don't want to take for granted what I've received. In fact, I want to tell you today a Savior is born. Because if you're in the circumstance and you love those people, your joy is actually to share with them, you don't have to be stuck in this. I can pray or I can, be, I can give something that I have, which is joy, which isn't dependent on circumstances or situations. And that's what I've been loving about this. An illustration for me that God said, now, Norm, can you live it? And I received that, a message of great joy for all people. And you know what was interesting in this? I find that this has been a message of simply perfect love casts out fear. What do you mean by that? Well, perfect love means you have the ability to take a risk. What is that? A risk is this. A risk is when you know that you can actually do something to bring joy to someone else, but it may mean you take, getting out of your comfort zone. So if you wanted to have joy that breaks up the mundane, you've got to be able to take a risk. If, if you want to have a joy that, that actually says, I'm going to remove fear, you're going to take a risk. And when you're going to do it, you're going to proclaim. And, and I, I, I want to show you how it works, because we're going to do that today. The kids... Nikki has been teaching the kids how to do something, to believe that God would use them to speak to others. And so during the Christmas season, they've been writing little notes that they believe that are words for you and I. And what they're going to do is they're going to actually come down here in a few minutes. They've been praying, God, who do I give these to? And so they're going to come down. Little kids are going to give you a word that you are going to receive for Christmas. And it's their joy believing that they are going to proclaim to you what you needed to hear. They're going to take a risk. Is it okay if they take a risk? Because it's going to bring great, great joy, isn't it? As they learn how to proclaim as a child, 
But if you don't have a, ple- a people that are saying it's okay to take risks, it's okay because perfect love casts fear. Perfect love says fear not. Perfect love says it's okay for us to try. It's okay for our little ones to this because I don't want to live a mundane. I don't want, I want to have a joy when a little one says, can, can this be a word of God for you? I believe God speaks primarily through his scripture, but I believe he wants to speak to us today, amen? Through the children.